Welcome to Threaded Together, the podcast that stitches together home sewing and high fashion. I'm Tracy. And I'm Rebecca. Join us on a journey where we unravel the details of fashion's past, connecting it to the runways and trends of today. In each episode, we'll demystify the art of couture sewing and dive headfirst into the pressing topic of sustainability both in our own sewing endeavors and across the vast fashion industry. This is more than just a podcast. It's a lively conversation between two fashion enthusiasts, diving deep into the realms of fashion design and garment construction. Along the way, we share our creations, sewing hacks, and essential tips to elevate your sewing game. So whether you're a seasoned sewist, fashion enthusiast, or just dipping your toes into sustainable fashion for the first time, Get ready for an exciting fashion adventure. This is our 13th episode for Threaded Together and the first episode of our second season. We are so excited to have you. And we're thrilled to have you back listening to us again. And of course, don't forget to find us on social media at Threaded Together Podcast, where you can see what we're working on and keep up with us between podcasts. Just give us a follow. We are really excited to talk about today's episode, where we will be discussing ways to approach sustainability in our own projects from sourcing sustainable materials to upcycling and ways to get more use out of garments that are already in your wardrobe. It's also a topic that of course can and should be applied to the runways and emerging designers. So we can't wait to share all of it with you. But before we jump into that, what have you been working on in the past month, Tracy? Oh, well, it's been quite the sewing month. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think I planned when we last spoke, I planned on making a brocade dress. Um, I got it all cut out and then I decided to do something different. So um, I parked that and I um, made this green silk slip dress with a crystal chain around the oh. neckline for the dress Ooh. straps. <laughs> um, the silk and the crystal chain was from New Craft House um, and their description of it is probably better than mine. It's described as an ex-designer trim made up of teal crystals and a pewter cup chain setting. And the, the, it was like really lovely. The crystals like really sparkle and they catch the light. This, oh. That sounds spectacular, <laughs> Tracy. Yeah, it's wow. pretty, pretty good. Um, obviously, as you can imagine, I failed to get any pictures. <laughs> 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 one day, one day I'll get better at that. Um, <laughs> and my velvet dress got, um, it's a proper outing for New Year's Eve. And, and again, I mean, there's pictures, but not, you know, of the full outfit so (laughs) one day I'll get better at taking photos (laughs) and um I made a pullover from the fabric godmother dream wardrobe which is this um LB pullover from paper theory and a Sherpa and in this really cold weather that we're having right now I have been absolutely living in it um, oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. And then I'm just working on the finishing touches on my Freddy jacket, which should be finished soon. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, Tracy, your most worn item last year was a pullover. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Way, to, <laughs> way to start the year. <laughs> yes. It's something you're definitely going to wear. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> and what about you, Rebecca? Have you had a busy month of sewing? Um, Kind of. <laughs> I, I ended up wearing my metallic trousers out on New Year's Eve. So I wanted to call that out with a bustier that I'd made earlier in the year. And it was so much fun and unplanned, but I mm-hmm. love that I had a little me made New Year's 
Eve outfit. In terms of new projects and makes, I'm still working on an upcycled coat in the styling of the yellow blazer that I made last year. What's holding me up a bit on it is I couldn't decide which side of fabric I wanted to use. So I've been hand sewing it so that it's fully reversible. It would have been done by now. Um... But I had to adjust the pattern quite a bit because of how thick the double face blanket is. The material is a vintage wool blanket. I got secondhand and I'm upcycling it into a garment. So a timely project for this episode. (laughs) Well, it definitely is. But you're making it fully reversible. Can you talk more about how you are doing that? Yes. The wool blanket I'm using is double faced. Um, So there's two sides or two faces sewn together with little threads in between. It's Mm -hmm. something that can happen a lot in like a heavier wool or cashmere fabric where you have either side could be, be your outside. And there are a lot of techniques for finishing double face fabrics by folding them in on each other so that each side kind of forms an edge and you treat their joining point as the inside of the seam, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the fabric for this actually isn't durable enough for that. It's truly just kind of a wool almost felted to the mesh in between. Mm-hmm. So I found that I could do a blind catch stitch on the top layer of each side going under that little joining weaved piece and then drawing the fabric close behind it. And by doing it up either side, I would go up one full side and then go back and close it on the other side. Um, It provides actually a pretty strong seam. I've been doing this by hand. So I definitely am questioning myself as to whether this was the best (laughs) use of my time like a month later. Um, I'd argue probably not, not the best way to have done it, but it's all, all of the main seams are sewn together at this point. And it ended up that the seams are actually quite flat and shockingly perfectly reversible. So you can actually just like pull the sleeves out either side and it looks the same either way. So at least it it looks neat. (laughs) That sounds amazing. I can't wait to see photos of it when it's complete. And jumping into our main topic of sustainability, we wanted to share how this topic came about in the first place. In our last episode, we both identified upcycling and sustainability as something we wanted to focus on in 2024. But neither of us had lots of experience with this. So we thought, what a great thing for us all to explore together. Starting with the first question that comes to mind, Tracy, how do you think a person can be sustainable in their sewing projects? Well, I guess in its simplest definition, it is about making sure how you sew makes a minimal impact to the planet. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I think that's a a great perspective. And while making your clothes is already leaps and bounds better than buying fast fashion, which exploits human labor and the environment, it can still be wasteful if you fall into the trap of kind of churning out makes for the sake of trends or making things you'll never wear. Yeah, agreed. I think there are a lot of positives to home sewing that can make it um, a more sustainable approach to to clothing, but Mm -hmm. we shouldn't kid ourselves that it's always a perfectly sustainable solution. Um, So there's a great article by So Eco Fabrics, and we can link that in the show notes, um, called Is Sewing Your Clothes More Sustainable? And it talks about some of the positives to sewing your own clothes. So 
you have an emotional association with the items that you've taken the time to sew. And so then in theory, you will love and care for them more than something that you've bought. Um, you have more choice in the fabric that you use and you can make more informed choices in what you're using to create a garment. And if um, you've taken the time to make something that fits you well, you are going to wear it and love it more. So mm. all of those are really good reasons um, to be sewing. That's such a great point, Tracy. And whether or not you're setting out to do it, I have personally found that by making my own garments, it actually keeps me from buying new items. And I had a, a lovely realization this last year that while I did not set out to not purchase any new garments, I actually only purchased one item that was brand new last year, last January while I was traveling. So the act of sewing your own clothes, while it may seem like it, it doesn't always uh, serve in as a one for one of taking out consumption from um, a broader, more wasteful industry, it can have that added benefit if you're just way more delighted with the outcomes of making your own clothing and wearing them. Yeah, I agree. I definitely buy less clothing than I did before I took up sewing or, or would if I wasn't. I think, I think, and I'm definitely more mindful of the purchases that I make. Circling back to our original question of how to make our sewing more sustainable, we identified a few things that we think can help. First, sourcing sustainable materials. Yep. And then secondly, upcycling, whether it be purchasing secondhand for the sake of upcycling or repurposing something that you already have. And third, mending and alterations to extend the lives of garments that are already in your wardrobe. I'd love to kick us off with sustainable materials since this could be a very complicated discussion, Tracy, on what makes um, sustainable material. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts? on this that you'd like to share, Rebecca? <laughs> but of course. <laughs> so a common criteria for what makes up a sustainable fabric is like what material is used as an input, be it plastic, wool, cotton, and then your method of making it, such as dyeing or sandblasting it, etc. And then lifetime breakdown. So for example, will it release microplastics in your wash when you wash it? And will it biodegrade or is it something that has to be incinerated? This is all made even more complex by the industry's own movement towards more sustainable materials and the idea that it's more sustainable to find things that are already made and dyed and otherwise would be destroyed and use those. And those would be your dead stock fabrics. Okay. So starting with the first pieces about materials used and the method of making it. So other than using what you already have, which let's just stress is the, the most sustainable solution, mm. the perfect fabric, I don't think it exists. Everything is a balance of the chemicals and the process used to create it versus the impact that it creates, how long it takes to decompose after it's made. So cotton can take 10,000 litres of water to produce one kilogram of cotton. Wow. I mean, organic cotton is better because it doesn't use fertilisers or pesticides, but there's still a lot of water used in the production of cotton. Viscous is a really chemically intensive manufacturing process and the chemicals used in the process to make viscous have been linked to 
horrible medical conditions for the factory workers and those that live near the factories. And then polyester is made of plastic. And when it's washed, it can release microplastics into the oceans and it can take hundreds of years to biodegrade. So linen is considered one of the better fabrics to go for is it's made from flax plants so it's a renewable resource and it doesn't require pesticides or fertilizers but you also have to pick the right fabric for what you want to make which makes it a really hard balancing act it does and tracy you turned me on to a fantastic podcast about sustainable fashion and sewing called check your thread the hosts uh, also started the me made may movement and then refocused on making sure that her making process and all of us making our clothes was as sustainable as possible. Mm-hmm. And she has a great episode. It's number 97 that we'll link in the show notes. And it's called An Introduction to Garment Fabrics. I really love this episode because I think we even mentioned it in a previous podcast episode of ours about getting to know fabrics, but not only does it cover all of the different types of fabrics, their uses and how they're made, it also covers a lot about some of the more commercially available fabric mixes, which can be really convoluted when you're trying to figure out if they're sustainable or not and what to buy. So it's a great foundation listen or even a good refresher if you're just trying to figure out when you're going fabric shopping what you're even looking at. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, So I guess personally, I try to find natural, I'm saying that in air quotes, natural fabrics mm-hmm. <laughs> like cotton, linen, tensile, wool, silk, over and above anything else. But I do also like viscous as well, even though the process for that is not, as we've discussed, not ideal. Um, but I do my absolute best to avoid polyester. And that's something I've done for a long time, even before I started sewing. I don't like the feel of it close to my skin. I do and I have bought polyester and and there's, you know, has to be a few conditions met before I'll agree to buying it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it has to be something where I'm like truly fall in love with the fabric or if it's cost prohibitive to get an alternative or if the polyester is fundamental to the functionality of the fabric. So I don't know, for example, a puffer jacket, you wouldn't Mm. want to make that in um, a cotton necessarily. Um, What about you, Rebecca? What do you look for in your fabric purchases? I think what you said is is really relatable, Tracy. And, you know, price is a huge factor, of course, Mm. and what you can afford, um, especially when it comes to natural fibers, which are also my preference. But even like specialty materials, like you're very rarely going to find active wear that's Mm -hmm. not made out of some poly blend because of just the The properties of it, the moisture wicking and all of that. Yeah, exactly. I am a big fan of natural fibers in part because of the environmental impact, but also due to kind of the properties of the fabric allowing for more manipulation and shaping. Mm-hmm. When I'm picking up fabric, I also usually pay a lot of attention to fiber content for its ability to regulate temperature and natural fibers are really great for that as well. Mm -hmm. I'm such a fan of a wool blend because I always think that wool keeps you both warm, relatively dry. And usually if it's not too thick, it doesn't keep you too hot either. It can keep you kind of cool. But of course, these can be more expensive and still highly resource intensive to make. So I 
tend to buy a lot of dead stock fabric. And that means that in theory, I'm buying fabric that was made for another use, but wasn't used for that. Mm -hmm. The sustainable component is that the fabric would have otherwise been destroyed or discarded. But I still don't think dead stock is a perfect solution, if I'm being completely honest. And why do you think that? So dead stock fabric has become really popular as the general public and consumers have become more eco-conscious. The demand created by the popularity for dead stock has created a new fabric market, essentially, for cast off and Mm -hmm. extra fabric from especially designer brands. On one hand, that means the fabric is being sold instead of being destroyed, which is great. And there's a savings as well in, in theory, not having a brand new fabric being made, assuming that you are buying dead stock for a project that if there wasn't a dead stock option, you'd instead be buying something brand new. But that also means that designers or fabric sourcers for designers now have less risk Mm. when they buy into fabric for a collection. So since there's now this entire market to not just take any extra, but to buy it and therefore potentially recoup some of those costs. So that is a bit of a concern. Therefore, designers don't have to be as exacting in their ordering and can take more risk and have more left over. So potentially the very existence of this market creates additional supply, which would ultimately make it less sustainable, unfortunately. It's just true. It's exactly the same as the, um, I don't know, like TK Maxx and equivalent. Exactly. No, that's what in, I'm saying. In the fashion yeah. world, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because I know. So I worked at Nordstrom when like the off price market became a thing. Right. Because Nordstrom had actually had like this whole, like the rack, right? Their whole off price thing was actually just a rack in a basement. Mm-hmm. And it became this whole thing. And then they had an entire division that was about making off cut pieces. Oh, wow. I mean, it's just total. It's like, it's like capitalism ruins everything. <laughs> <laughs> so in theory, dead stock's lovely, but then it's like, oh, but we need to make sure we have enough dead stock material to keep selling. Right. Yeah. Although I honestly think dead stock personally is great because there's no way in heck that I would ever be able to get like a double face cashmere for like 15 that you can pick it up euros a meter and I think I think it gives you access to a wide range of fabrics and prints and patterns that you wouldn't have previously had access to as a home sewer yes I agree and with all the new things available to us that are marketed as sustainable Mm. it's great to use them but also to be informed about those choices as well Mm -hmm. Uh, the last sustainable material sourcing item I will add is the idea of reusing and upcycling of other fabrics I've sourced vintage fabric used old blankets even old tablecloths as fabric for making new garments and that's always a fun and sustainable endeavor to give an entirely new life to a fabric that has already been well loved and used although your mother may make a joke about um making a dress out of your curtains, which is, you know, (laughs) par for the course. Well, you made an incredible jacket out of a sleeping bag, right? Was that right? Oh yeah, I did. Yeah. 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 And that's just like, and it had served its purpose as a sleeping bag. And yeah, it was this incredible jacket. It's just an amazing way to think about upcycling. Yeah, absolutely. 
Although a little extra effort to hunt down some of that stuff, but... The tightening weapon. There's clearly a lot we can do from a material sourcing perspective to have our makes be more sustainable. Tracy, what's another way that we can be sustainable in our sewing? So another sustainable approach to sewing is to minimize waste. And that's probably the most important thing as well. Hmm. Um, So this could be by sewing up a zero waste pattern. Zero waste patterns definitely deserve their own episode at some point. Um, And a zero waste pattern basically aims to have zero waste, clues in the name, by having you use the full width of the fabric and drawing the pattern pieces directly onto the fabric. So a couple of pointers in the meantime before we ever do an episode on this is the Mm. book Zero Waste Patterns by Bagita Helmerson. And then there's several Check Your Thread episodes um, and we'll link all of those in the show notes. But a few are with Agita Helmerson. Uh, Then there's also an episode on what are zero waste patterns and another episode on designing zero waste patterns. So there's a a whole range of um, episodes on that with Check Your Thread that we definitely recommend you listen to. And then also... The fold line has a good roundup of some zero waste patterns that you can um, have a look at and see see how they work. But they're, they're definitely something that um, are worth looking at because you, in theory, have zero waste at the end. Um, another thing you can do with minimising waste for your garment is to be really mindful about the amount of yardage you buy for your project to minimise the leftovers. And so if it calls for... 2.4 meters and you're able to buy 2.4 meters then that's obviously great um but that requires that you know what you're making ahead well of time. that's true <laughs> <laughs> well there we go maybe that's it maybe that's maybe it. That is it and then i guess it's thoughtful use of your scraps because you are still going to have scraps and there's again on ideas for what you can do with your scraps is probably an episode in itself um, but there's a couple of great episodes on Check Your Thread and Love to Sew that talk about what to do with your scraps and all these scrap busting ideas that we'd like to point you to. And there, again, we'll link those in our show notes um, because there's lots of ideas in there. There's there's so many great ideas. And I'll, I'll then pose that question to you, Tracy. How do you currently handle your scraps? <laughs> um, well, this is where I really miss the mask making days of lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> because it was a perfect use for scraps. You'd have a matching, you know, dress and mask. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> We all um, need to start making mini fascinators <laughs> to go with all of our outfits. So maybe that's the way scraps. forward. <laughs> um, so in the past, I made a closet core poof um, and filled it with my scraps. Um, and you really can't underestimate how heavy <laughs> the weight of that is with all the scraps in it. Um, mm. but it's a free pattern and it's it's brilliant and a really good use of scraps. Um, I guess if it's a decent enough scrap, uh, it might become a scrunchie or a headband or put aside to be used later for a pocket or facing when I'm when I need a piece of fabric that size. Mm-hmm. I've also made like wrist warmer gloves and things with scraps. Mm. Um, right now I have a bag of scraps that I'm thinking I might sort through and make a quilt out of but we'll see how that idea goes um sounds lovely yeah what about you rebecca how do you handle all of your scraps well in a similar vein i think it depends on the size of the scrap 
Mm-hmm. Extra fabric cutoffs, if they're sizable enough, I've used in the past is bias binding for other mm-hmm. projects. Love mm-hmm. that little pop of a contrasting fabric. I save all of my scraps, but I have to say I am not great at using them often enough. So I have a couple of sizable boxes full of scraps sorted by various sizes. Uh, But I have come up with a few ideas that I hope to try this year. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is patchworking, which um, just means making new fabric out of your scraps, whether it be through a pattern that has smaller pieces or by stitching together scraps as just a new source of material. So I have a lot of inspiration photos for things like that. So oh. I'm excited to try that out. Also in terms of patchwork projects, I'd made a scrap yarn hoodie that was composed of a lot of small diamonds in order to make a sweatshirt like knit piece. And I realized it'd be really easy to convert that into a fabric patchwork hoodie um, as well. So that's on my to-do list to convert that and stitch it up and see if it works just as well in fabric as it does in a little crochet diamond. And I'm just going to interrupt you there and say that this hoodie is incredible. And the fact that it was all done from scrap yarn is amazing and you have to share a photo (laughs) (laughs) thanks Tracy well if I can make one out of my actual fabric scraps that'll be oh that'd be amazing as well yep yep other scrap ideas include uh stuffing I I know a bunch of people who have um when they approach a puffed or a stuffed piece instead of polyester wadding actually chop up especially if you have wool content to make good insulation Mm -hmm. and then even making new materials there was a video I saw last year where scraps were cut up, laid out on a mat that then dissolved in water. And before it was dissolved, it was sewn over a bunch to create a new textile out of the scraps, which reminded me of that Chanel suit that we saw last year, Tracy, (laughs) that looked like it was a bunch of different kind of scraps sewn down together. There are some questions on that particular video as to the environmentally friendliness of that dissolving element, but I still think that's a really neat idea to try. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So we've covered a lot of the garment life cycle already, but what about the clothes that are already in your wardrobe? Studies have found that hands down, the most sustainable thing that you can do with regards to clothing is, of course, to wear what you already own. But the lifespan of items in our wardrobes has diminished significantly over time, meaning we buy more and dispose of clothing more frequently. But before you think, gosh, everyone has become so wasteful with fast fashion... The number one reason you might be surprised that they found for people to get rid of items in their wardrobe is just that they no longer fit, which I don't think any of us can argue is a bad reason. No, that's true. Um, So how does this relate to us making our own clothes? Well, first, we hear a lot about the quality of clothing declining, not only in fast fashion, but mainstream fashion as well, versus clothing that was made prior to, say, let's the 1980s. Uh, Yes, I see where you are going with this. So when we took our couture tailoring class, was that a traditional blazer has a one inch or two and a half centimeter roughly seam allowance on every seam. The reason for this is that a blazer should last you the rest of your life and be able to be altered to fit you as your body and life changes. 
So okay. with um, I don't know six to eight pieces across the across the, the width of the jacket, and um, each of those having that size seam allowance, that gives you quite the allowance to amend the jacket so that it can be let out to to a different body shape and make sure that a blazer can still fit you for the rest of your life. And if you've ever looked inside a garment, especially fast fashion pieces, you'll find there's almost zero seam allowance because extra fabric is costly. (laughs) So that brings us to one of the first things we can do in our own makes to get more out of our existing garments altering your garments. Yeah, this is so true. With your own makes, firstly, you can make them fit better to begin with. But for the garments that you want to cherish and live forever, you can make this um, a bit easier on yourself by adding some extra seam allowance to your garments. And then assuming that you love the clothing you have in your wardrobe, consider altering those pieces, but don't fit for simply getting rid of them or passing them on to a new home. Yeah, that's such a a good tip. And Tracy, I have a great example of this fairly recently. Uh, My husband had bought a pair of trousers secondhand that really beautifully made, but ended up being a bit snug in certain areas over time. Mm -hmm. And so armed with my newfound tailoring skills, (laughs) I ended up opening up the seams and realized there was quite a decent seam allowance to work with and was able to let them out in the right places and he was able to continue wearing them. I've also altered many a trouser of my own to make them fit better once I learned through my own sewing practice that just for my body in particular, tightness in the thighs and a lot of my pants actually had to do with the rise being too long. So if I took that in on the inseam and shortened the rise, I could correct the fit issues in the thigh. Mm, Okay. What about you? you, Tracy. Any good alteration stories? Altering? No, I guess um, that's something I do my best to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> if friends ask for help with rehoming a, a dress or something fancy, I always point them to their local dry cleaners. <laughs> great, great idea. Yes. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I guess I personally prefer wearing dresses to trousers as it gives more flexibility with fit, um, which means that they don't need altering. <laughs> um, but I definitely have repaired garments. But before that, are mm. there any other alternate alterations, Rebecca, that you want to talk about? Ooh, so crossing back into the upcycling area we just discussed, what happens if you have no seam allowances and a garment is too tight? So I had a good use case with this when I first started sewing. I had two pairs of fast fashion trousers that I wore kind of interchangeably. They had a similar pattern, but neither quite fit the way I wanted to. So I ended up cutting them together um, to make an extra wide leg pair of pants, which allowed me to create a new pants pattern for myself and finally achieving like the wide pair of trousers I've always been dreaming of, but also finding a way to make use of these two pairs of trousers that didn't fit, were too tight and was able to keep them in my wardrobe. And I wear them all the time now. That's super. And that's thinking outside the box in terms of <laughs> all yeah, garments is as well, weird. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so jumping back to repairing um, items, and I think this is something that we can all do and we all have the skills for. (laughs) So I guess... um in my household anyway jeans are the number one thing (laughs) they're Mm -hmm. easy to repair and um 
need repairing quite a lot and they add so much more life to the garment um so for example a hole in the knee on a pair of jeans the best way to replace repair this is to place a piece of similar or lighter weight fabric under the hole base it in place to secure it then drop the feed dogs on your machine and with a matching color or a couple of colors um just go back and forth to you know keep the patch in place and and make it an invisible or near invisible mend <laughs> and this can really extend the life of a pair of jeans even more so if the hole is caught early and i think that's the key thing isn't it <laughs> doing the repairs the moment they they first need doing yep <laughs> um, and then you know i think one of my husband's pairs of jeans i must have repaired about three times before they were demoted to dog walking jeans but <laughs> <laughs> definitely recommend getting on top of repairs <laughs> and like so many of the other topics we're discussing today mending is an entire area of garment maintenance that's definitely worth its own episode mm. um, there are specific mending techniques you can use i've been looking into like visible and invisible mending darning when it comes to knitwear and more all of that aside having the ability to repair your own garments is pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. I have a stack of items in my sewing room currently that need little tweaks. Zipper repairs are a big one. Not sure why. <laughs> and I plan on devoting more time to doing more repair work this year. Excellent. A buzzword in the fashion world around sustainability is definitely upcycling, yeah. which is taking old garments, materials, and making something new out of them. And this is something that you can do in your own wardrobe. Say you have a long overcoat that's been in your closet for a while and you don't love wearing it but you've been craving a short, more aviator style jacket. It's a very specific example. But go <laughs> me so the upcycling idea would be to use the basis of the old jacket to create a new garment that you'll continue to wear and love. And there's a big push for this in high fashion as well. So can you give us some examples of designers that are doing this, Rebecca? Yes. So a great example to, I think help wrap your head around this is, uh, I'm going to pardon, pardon my pronunciation, Xenia Schneider, um, a Ukrainian designer who upcycles a lot of sportswear, jerseys, things of that nature into more ready-to-wear dresses and other projects. There have been a lot of other designers that have copied that idea. American designer Connor Ives had a very popular dress made out of reworked graphic in jerseys as well. I think upcycling makes a lot of sense from a sustainability perspective. You're keeping a garment potentially out of a landfill and negating the need for a new textile to be created from scratch for that new garment. Mm -hmm. And it has become a lot more popular as well. A few years back, Prada did these vintage inspired leather jackets. And it was so frustrating because you could literally find almost exactly the same item secondhand for a fraction of the price. <laughs> so why did we need to make these entirely from new? But then within a few seasons, Prada's sister brand Miu Miu started releasing upcycled motorcycle jackets, which meant that they'd recut vintage pieces and were reselling them in this new, quote, modern design. So there is some progress being made in that area, but not as much on the mass produced scale. Those Miu Miu jackets still cost a fortune. Mm -hmm. Although I do think that this is a direction that fashion will continue to be looking and moving towards in the future. Um, there was someone at Copenhagen Fashion Week last year that you talked about 
how they everything was like an upcycled item but you were like mm, they're all one-off pieces how is this scalable and i'm Forgetting the name of the brand right now, but there is a brand that I saw at Copenhagen Fashion Week and they do everything from upcycled materials, which is absolutely amazing. But one Mm -hmm. of the challenges that it poses in an e-commerce market is that a lot of the things are slightly one-off. So it becomes more challenging when you're trying to sell something because each item technically needs its own listing. Mm -hmm. So lots of different things to overcome in order for this to become the norm. But it is an exciting place to see high fashion going with sustainability. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Tracy, there's so much on this topic of sustainability and fashion. And you had turned me on to a great documentary that highlights just how complex this topic of sourcing and making sustainably can be even in the high fashion world. Yes, it's an incredible documentary, which I highly, highly recommend. It's called Fashion Reimagined. It follows Amy Powney of Mother of Pearl as she tries to create a sustainable collection. You see just how many countries are involved in the process of creating a concha or a wool jumper and how hard it is to trace it all the way from the sheep in the field through to the <laughs> the shop floor. Um, and and it's just an incredible journey that she goes on to try and make a real sustainable collection. 100% it's recommend really it. Yeah. yeah, such a great one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we covered a lot of wonderful solutions, but certainly lots of interesting <laughs> discussion as well today <laughs> on ways to think about being more sustainable in our own sewing. But of course, it all goes to waste if you aren't actually going to wear your makes. <laughs> so make sure you're thoughtful about your next project. Agreed. And that's an excellent segue, Tracy, into what thoughtful makes are we working on next? <laughs> Well, I hope to get my pink um, trend patterns coat, the TPC28 oversized coat. I hope to get that cut out over the next few days and then to get stuck into that soon. And I can guarantee that that is one that I will live in <laughs> once that's made I up. I cannot wait. <laughs> we keep talking about this hot pink coat. Yeah. And I am just so excited to see how that turns out. <laughs> what about you, Rebecca? So once once my hand sewing fun <laughs> is done, um, I have some upcycling. I have a project that's uh, upcycling a pair of two pairs of designer trousers into a wider pair mm-hmm. <laughs> of trousers mm. um, that's currently on my shelf and in progress that I need to finish. And I have a red wool jumpsuit that's been living in my brain for far too long that I think I need to start making some progress on. Oh, that sounds exciting. I plan on drafting and draping part of that pattern, Mm -hmm. which brings up a rather painful topic that will be our second episode of the season next month. (laughs) Should you? Or shouldn't you? (laughs) Buy a dress form. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Join us as we discuss everything from choosing to using a dress form in your sewing adventures. It's going to be a fun one. It definitely will. (laughs) (laughs) In the meantime, I'm Tracy. And I'm Rebecca. And this has been Threaded Together Podcast. Podcast. (laughs) See you next time. (laughs) Looking forward to our next episode in a month. Make sure you give us a thumbs up on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify. 
You can find more details on what we discussed today in the show notes below or on threadertogetherpodcast.com. And for more behind the scenes and regular updates, you can find us on all social media channels at Threaded Together Podcast.